Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your Word. I thank you for meeting needs today. Uh, God, help us uh, go a little bit deeper in our faith, and, and may our commitment to you, Father, be, become um, not just perfunctory and, 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 fu- and, and functional, but, but real. And, and uh, Father, I just, just pray that, that, that fires return to our souls. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's pick up where we left off last week, right at the same verse. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from raging. So when Jonah surrendered, the sea surrendered, the storm surrendered. And when you finally surrender to God, you don't need to surrender to anyone else. It's when we finally die to ourselves that we really discover our true selves. Verse 16, then the men feared the Lord, these are the sailors, exceedingly. God put the entire crew in harm's way uh, in order to reach one man, Jonah. And the lengths that God will go to reach just one is absolutely amazing. Let me show you something special about God. Let's go to Isaiah 43 and verse 4. This this is what the Word of God says. This is amazing. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored, and I have what? Loved you. And we see here that God describes his motives towards each of us. We are a treasure to him. The Bible says that we have eternal value to him. The Bible also says we are deeply loved for him. Watch this next sentence. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. As God, you know, put the Egyptians through 10 plagues in order to set the Israelites free. God will, will give up an entire nation if necessary just to reach one of his children, one of his own. The Bible says that God chose us even before the foundation of the world, meaning my name was on God's lips. Your name was on God's lips even before, you know, the earth's crust dried, if you will. If, if he had to, he would choose to do this over and over and over again without pause and without doubt because we are the very apple of God's eye. Jonah 1 and 17. Now the Lord had prepared. God had purposely, intentionally, and thoughtfully created a special set of circumstances all designed to bring this wayward prophet back to his senses. And and here's the question. It's possible, or is it possible, that God is using some of the difficult things that are going on in our lives to bring us back to our senses, just like he did with with Jonah? You know, God's love is absolutely relentless. His love never fails. He, he, He never gives up, and he never gives out. This is the type of God that we serve. Now, the Lord himself prepared, designed himself a great Fish. Now, we don't know if this was a sperm whale or a whale shark or something else, but you see, Scripture's not really concerned about the species of the fish, uh, just the fact that God, what, prepared it. See, if God provided it, you can rest assured it will be adequate. Now, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow 
Jonah. In the 16th century, a French fisherman found a full suit of armor in a great white shark. So the idea of an animal swallowing something, a fish in particular, something this large is not so crazy or so impossible. By the way, what, what do you call a bear without teeth? A gummy bear. What do you call a shark without teeth? Jaws. If God had to create the first toothless great white in all of history, God would have done whatever it took to reach his child. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish. And when we run from God, we always end up by getting swallowed up by one thing or another. And he was in this belly three days and three nights. And what we're about to discover is it took him this long before he prayed. And the length of time before you find your knees and God helps you out of the situation is more up to you than it is to him. You see, we're not so much waiting on God as God has been waiting on each and every one of us. Verse 1 of chapter 2. Then after three days and three nights, Jonah prayed to the Lord. You see, it's important to have a mom, a dad, a cousin, a nephew, maybe grandma and granddad, or maybe your pastor, maybe some deacons, or just maybe some friends praying for you. But some things will not change. Some things will not be impacted until you pray for yourself. Then Jonah prayed, Jonah himself prayed to the Lord from the fish. Here's my question. How long is it going to take before you cry out to God? Jonah prayed to the Lord from the what? Fish. So how you pray while you're in the middle of it, what you pray while you're in the thick of it will determine whether or not you ever come out of it. And this was the situation with him. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And watch this. And he answered me. This is amazing. As bad as Jonah behaved, God still answered his prayer. And when we learn to fight our battles on our knees, we will win every single time. He said, out of the belly of Sheol, which in Hebrew literally speaks of the grave. In other words, Jonah was dying. Jonah was in and out of, of consciousness. Uh, Jonah in this situation was frankly as good as Dead, But it says, out of the belly, in the midst of a horrible situation, in the midst of my anguish, in the midst of my adversity, in the midst of my affliction, I cried. This is the second time the verse says that, that Jonah cried. He didn't just pray a formulaic prayer. He didn't just kind of whisper to God. The Bible says he, he cried. When is the last time that you cried out to the Lord? God is waiting for that cry and he's ready to answer. And it says, I cried and you heard my voice. Jonah messed up but God still heard him. I like what C.S. Lewis said. I want to read it directly. He says, the Christian does not believe that God loves him because he's good, but that God is making us good because he loves us. Verse three, for you, this is Jonah's statement to the Lord while in the fish. For you cast me into the deep. Now, the sailors actually were the ones that cast him into the sea, but Jonah recognized that it was God working through 
people or through men. So don't get bitter because someone threw you overboard, someone kicked you out, or, or someone left you. Maybe it happened because you were going with them in the wrong direction. And maybe the fact you got kicked out is actually your salvation. Verse 3, for you cast me into the deep, into the hearts of the seas, and, and the floods surrounded me, and all your billows and your waves passed over me. The will of God is not always pleasant, but it is always right. And if God takes you through troubled waters, it's not to drown you, it's to cleanse you. And this was a situation with Jonah. Then I said, that's what you say. Now, God has wonderful things to say about you, uh, but it's what you say about God that makes all the difference in your life. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. So his rebellion crushed his fellowship with God. And, and what's important to understand here, though, is that God never stopped loving Jonah. It's just that his stubbornness made it so that God couldn't enjoy uh, Jonah. Ever love a person whose, whose attitude took all the fun out of it? And this was a situation with Jonah. And my hope in my life is that my attitude doesn't take all the fun out of God loving me. My prayer for you is that your attitude doesn't take all the fun out of God loving you, your spouse loving you, the people in your life loving you. But watch what he said. As deep as I've gone, as, 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 as off course as I've traveled, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. So despite the depths that Jonah had sunk, he decided that he could look back. He knew that he could return to the Lord. And like I always say, when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. But don't despair because when, when God is all you have left, God will be all that you need. And this was the case for Jonah. There was no way out except God. And sometimes you'll be between a, heart and a, a rock and a hard place. Not because, you know, God's being mean because he knows that's the only way you will look up. And God, our, our eternal soul is more important than any comfort, any convenience in this life. And sometimes he'll let the devil drag you through mud. Uh, and really, even with that, it's not so much that God made this happen. Jonah was the one that ran. Jonah was the one that opened the door to the adversary. But, but God will allow us to do sometimes foolish things because we re he recognizes what it's going to take in order for us to come back to our senses. He said, the waters surround me. So he was totally overwhelmed and overcome, even unto my soul. So not only on the outside of Jonah was, was he afflicted, but on the inside. The deep clothes around me, weeds were wrapped around my, my head. He, he must have sunk to the bottom of the sea before the, the, the animal or the fish swallowed him. So, you know, seaweeds wrapped around his head, or maybe there was some, some seaweed in the stomach of, of the animal. But, but watch what it says in verse 6 again. It says, I went down. So remember in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3, Jonah went down to Joppa. In 1 and verse 5, he went down into the lowest part of the ship. In 1 and 15, he went down from the boat into the water. Now in 2 and verse 5, he finally goes down to the absolute bottom. And it's when we hit the lowest point that we are often most open to change. And this was the case with Jonah. He said, I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me 
forever, meaning there was no way out. It was like a prison door slammed, locked shut, and there was no way for him to get free. But here's the deal. When we hit rock bottom, we don't have to stay there. My Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yeah, I'm walking through it, but I don't have to live there. I don't have to stay there. Yet you have brought me out from the pit when nothing else helped, when no one else cared, love lifted me. When my soul fainted within me, even though I had given up on myself, there was no hope. Um, you know, it seemed like the, the world didn't like me. The fish didn't like me. And frankly, I didn't even like me in that moment. But in that moment, when I despaired of life and, and, and I didn't see any way out, what did he do? He says, I remembered. I what? I remembered. I what? I remembered the Lord. He remembered that he served a God that would never give up on him. And my prayer went up to you, speaking of God, into your holy temple. And he realized that there's nothing over our heads that is not under God's feet. And he looked to the only one that could help. And then in verse 8, he says a key here that years ago unlocked this whole book in the Bible um, because I was going through a rough place and I didn't understand why I was in the situation I was in. And, and frankly, like Jonah, I was running from the Lord. And, and some things I was doing outwardly, you know, it's trying to kind of have a, I had a semblance of obedience, but deep in my heart, I didn't want to do what the Lord wanted me to do. I had my excuses. I had my reasons. And I wondered why thing was, things were not working for me and, and why stuff kept swallowing me, swallowing me up. And, and it was this verse of Scripture that actually illuminated my heart and my mind. And I had to realize some things about myself. I had to own some things when I read this verse. Now, here's him coming to himself. This is like the prodigal who came to himself when he was in the pig pen. Finally, the light bulb came on. He says, those who regard worthless idols. In this case, matter of fact, let me read the whole sentence. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, meaning it wasn't God that was being hard on him. It was his idolatry that caused himself to have to experience, experience some hard times. Those who regard, now idols may exist, but it's, it's what we do with them in our hearts. Those who regard worthless, what idols? What were the prophet's idols? Here, it was this prophet's own prejudices, his own biases, his idol was his self-will, thinking that somehow he knew better than God. Uh, his idol was, was, you know, him thinking that his personal grudges ought to be God's own grudges. You know, as long as another person's opinion matters more than God's, you regard idols. And I was recognizing that, you know, at that period in my life, I was regarding my own opinion about myself. I was regarding my own opinion about my future. I was regarding my own plans bigger than God. And actually, my thinking became an idol in my mind because I exalted it above my God. Those who regard worthless idols, watch this, forsake. God didn't forsake him. God pursued him and prepared a fish. It was the prophet that forsook 
God. God has not forsaken you. And don't, you know, in your situation, you're like, well, God, if you love me, this wouldn't happen. Well, because he loved you, he had to leave you to yourself so you can come to yourself and realize the, the, the way you are traveling is wrong, and all you're going to do is live and die and waste your life and have no eternal reward and, and, do, and not do anything of any eternal value. All you're going to do is eat and drink and, and, and breathe, take up space, but do nothing of value. And God is often trying to save us from ourselves. So sometimes he prepares a fish. And sometimes, you know, it may not be a fish. It might be a job. It could very well be a spouse. There's a zillion different things God can prepare for those of us that run and run and run from our future and the only one who loves us. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own covenant love. They forsake their own mercy, meaning again, God never abandoned Jonah, Jonah abandoned God by clinging to his anger, clinging to his excuses, clinging to his prejudices. Someone said, holding a grudge doesn't make you strong. It makes you bitter. Forgiveness doesn't make you weak. It sets you free. But verse nine, he's come to himself. He realized, you know what? The issue's me. I, I got to own this. It's my idol. It's my attitude. That's the problem. And then he follows up. He says, but I will sacrifice to you instead of complaining, instead of why God are you sending me there? And just the fact God spoke to him, you know, he, he should be glad even God even knew his name to, to tell him anything to do. But in, he finally came to himself and said, but Lord, I'm so grateful that you even, again, called me by name. I'm so grateful you even gave me assignment. I don't care if that assignment was to be a trash man. I don't care if that assignment was to wash feet. Dear God, the fact, again, that you know my name, that you call me by name, that you would help me do what you assigned me to do is more than enough. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of what? Complaining, no, thanks, Giving, He didn't wait to praise God until the battle was over. He didn't wait to praise God till after the fish spit him out. He worshiped while he was still in the middle of the fish. And while you're in the middle of your situation, you got to learn to lift your hand up to God and say, Lord, I thank you. Even though, you know, I'm in a sticky situation, but you have still shown me kindness. This fish, I'm still alive, Lord. I'm still in the land of the living. I could be dead. I could be in the grave, but I am alive to live another day. And as hard as this situation is, as stinky as this fish's belly might be, dear God, I still have an opportunity to live yet another day. And God, I will give you thanks in the midst of this situation. By the way, Lord, it's not your fault. It's really probably all mine. And then he says something else that gives you an indication of why he was in the belly of the fish. And I'm about to say something that may give you an indication of why you're in the belly of your particular fish. And he says, and I will pay what I have vowed. So he sung songs, Jesus, I love you. And he sung songs about, you know, if you can use anything, you can use me. But when push came to shove, his biases, his prejudices, his own desires trumped his love for God. And actually, he loved himself and his own thinking and his own way of doing things more than his God. And he realized while he was in the belly of the fist, the fish didn't just spit him out just because. He prayed, he confessed, 
And then he actually tries to make right the thing he, he had done wrong. He said, I will pay. I will repay. I will fix, Lord, what I've broken. Where I went wrong, Lord, I will make it right. I will pay what I what? Vowed. Our vows matter. If God can't trust you, tell me who else can trust you. So when he said, I would pay my vow, he said, Lord, I will do that thing I committed to you. Watch what immediately happened. So the Lord spoke to the fish. God's plan is always bigger than our mistakes. And the fish vomited Jonah onto dry land. And if you want to give the devil a stomachache, the greatest stomachache he's ever had in all your life, open your mouth like Jonah and stop pointing the finger at your circumstance, pointing the finger at the people and the things and even the fish around you. Look up to God and say, I'm sorry, Lord. I was wrong. Lord, I ran when I shouldn't have. I quit when I should have hung in there. I left you, Lord, and it wasn't at all fair. A sincere apology has three parts. Number one, you say, I'm sorry. Number two, you own it. It's my fault. But number three is so important. What can I do to make it right? And if you're not trying to make it right, you have not yet sincerely apologized to the Lord or to those in your life. Matthew 12 and 40, and we're, we're done. Jesus picks up on this narrative, and he says this. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. Again, it didn't matter what type of fish it was. It was just the fact God prepared the fish. That's all that, that, that mattered. He said, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the earth, and so shall the Son of Man. So what we see here is Jonah gave up his life to appease the wrath of God, to satisfy justice, to save the sailors. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.